Well, good morning. And uh, before we get started, I also want to add an additional prayer request for Carol Stump's sister, Diane, uh, sister-in-law, excuse me, Diane, um, and David's, uh, David Stump's mom. Uh, we also want to be praying for her. So they both uh, are suffering with COVID and, and a very dire situation. Um, and so let's lift that up in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, Lord, and I ask that you would speak to us through your word. Uh, strengthen us, Lord, to do your will, to listen to you, to be obedient to you, and then, and then to um, receive those blessings from you, Lord. Even in the midst of uh, challenges and trials that come along, uh, you are God and you work through all of the details that we encounter. We think of Carol Stumpf and David Stumpf, Lord, and we, uh, we pray for um, Carol's sister-in-law, Diane, and we pray that you would give her strength and health and that you would help her to battle back, Lord, to, um, by your grace, Lord, that you would, your hand of healing would be upon her. Well, I thank you that she knows you, Lord, but I do pray uh, that you would revive her and raise her up, Lord. I pray for David's um, mom also, and I pray for your healing hand upon her. Uh, we just commit that situation to you, Lord, and many others that, uh, uh, as was prayed earlier, Lord, our dependence is on you, Lord, and we don't feel hopeless in our prayers, Lord. We feel faithful and strong in our, in our prayers to you. We pray this in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Just a couple other announcements, even before I get involved in this, is um, we're still looking for additional people, uh, technicians in the AV booth. Um, um, as time goes on here, we we need to replace uh, uh, others who have have gone uh, back to school, and and uh, and so uh, we're short that way. Additionally, very soon we're going to be live streaming our services, and that's a different, whole different tech technical group, and they'll be actually down in the library, the old library downstairs, operating from there. And so we have four men already that signed up for that, but women, you're not immune to this. I mean, if you like technical stuff and you don't mind it, it's not complicated um, at all. <laughs> uh, so don't be afraid of it, but you would be uh, down there during the service probably once a month. Um, or maybe once every six weeks if we get enough, enough individuals. So both of those areas are areas of concern as, as we move forward. Certainly, additionally, uh, child care in any capacity um, is also a need. So with those, those uh, issues out of the way, I want to get to the sermon, and, and I look forward to what God has for us today as uh, we divert briefly from Romans. Um, I've, talk, we've talk, I've talked about uh, these old friend of our, friends of ours, Linda and I, when I was in Bible college out in Lancaster, Todd and Chris McAllister. Uh, I remember sharing with you, Todd was the guy who had the successful meat market um, and then sold it so that he would have enough money to go to uh, Bible college and be prepared so that he'd be on a mission field without going into debt. So he, they basically sold their house and um, their farm and the, uh, in the meat market to do all this. And uh, what I want to continue to share is there were, not, there were definitely challenges uh, uh, along the way, 
even after graduation. Right after school, they went to the, one of the poorest areas in the world, and that was Haiti, uh, poor de Prince to be uh, exact. Um, and so they, immediately, they just identified with the people there. They called that home. And uh, Todd had a background in construction, and he put it to use. And then Chris started uh, a mom's group among women, mostly single-parent moms, which seemed to be the case, uh, the majority of the case in the area that they served. And so uh, on furlough, they gave birth. She gave birth to a, a little boy uh, back in the States here. But they packed that little boy up and they took him back to Haiti uh, because home is, is, uh, is Haiti. And so uh, shortly after that, he developed malaria and had a very close call with death. And, um, but he rebonded. And then they came back on furlough again. And Todd came back. And when he came back, they discovered these high fevers that he was having. Well, he had malaria also. And he was very close to death, and the Lord um, uh, was gracious, and he survived that. But while he was being examined, they found that he also had prostate cancer. <laughs> and so the family just begged them not to return. They returned anyhow, but the uh, treatments that, uh, that he could get there in Port-au-Prince weren't adequate, and eventually he had to come back from the field. Well... Uh, leaving the field, he thought, well, if I can't do anything else for Haiti, I'm going to start a prayer group for Haiti. And he started with 12 people, and they just started this ministry of prayer for, for Haiti. Remarkable things began to happen in Port-au-Prince, though. Doors began to open, and he thought, wow, this is, this is really interesting. While we were there, we couldn't get this to happen. We come back, and we're beseeching God, and all of a sudden, God's moving mountains in that area. Um, and, and, and when you look at the whole situation, I think some people look at it, well, it's kind of a failure. You know, he, he went through all this um, sacrifice. Uh, why did he have to go through all this struggle? Could it be that Todd and, and Chris were out of harm's way immediately after they came back? About a year later, there was that horrible earthquake in Haiti, and uh, their, their home there was destroyed. And so perhaps, perhaps uh, we will know on this side of heaven uh, Maybe that was God sparing their lives. And could it be that he brought them back to start this prayer group to initiate and um, beseech God to do this great intervention? What I do know is two people were faithful and continue to be faithful in the midst of what would appear to be, to some, a failure. In all... Today, Todd is healed. Their family is safe. They're older now and out of the house. Uh, God opened the floodgates of salvation for what used to be one once dark and evil-dominated country, and at least in the area that they were, um, had led many to salvation. Today, Todd is the senior pastor at Millersville Bible Church out near Lancaster, uh, a church of about 600. And, um, and the Lord is using him in that way. Very humble individual that just preaches the word of God and continues to do so. This isn't the, the first time a well-meaning and obedient people have experienced <laughs> what seem to be dire circumstances. The Bible is, is full of individuals. Uh, we know David um, being chased by Saul having his back against the wall several times, being pinned on, but the Lord uh, freeing him from that. We think of Joseph being thrown into the pit 
and left to die. We think of Sarah and Abraham, and Sarah was told to be, uh, said to be, he was going to be the father of many nations, and it didn't look good. They were in his 90s, and she wasn't pregnant yet. So there are challenges that people go through. There are promises that we receive. There are difficulties along the way. And perhaps you are here today, and you need to hear this once more, that God is faithful, and that he will see you through this current challenge that you are facing. And we just need to be simply obedient and each day listen for his voice. Because out of obedience to God comes blessing. And often, often in the most unusual ways. Let me say that again. Out of obedience to God comes blessing. And often in the most unusual ways. And so I'm breaking from the book of Romans today, after much prayer, I believe God wanted me to preach and encourage you, uh, experiencing uh, some difficulty uh, along the way. Maybe you had a breakthrough and there's been some success and blessing, and then all of a sudden you're like, what is this? <laughs> this difficulty comes along. And I think that's where a number of our people were are today. As I, as I speak to many individuals here, and some of you have emailed me, and some of you have called me, and you said, you know, it was interesting. I was trusting God, and he looked like this was the answer, and this is what we were longing, hoping for, and now this thing came along, and we don't know what God's doing. And I hear you, and God hears you, and I think he wants to remind you and uphold you through this difficulty. So don't be surprised that even if this week his answer comes in an unusual way. It won't be with bright lights. It won't be with a stage production. Maybe a celebrity won't be handing you a big cardboard check. Perhaps there won't be any knock on the door from a prodigal child or an instant cure for the disease that you're suffering from or the job of your dreams will come to pass. But God, God's ways are much better. And yes, sometimes unusual. Uh, you just have to look and be obedient, sometimes to the smallest of details. And so if you would, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, obviously it's in the Old Testament, and uh, it's cool how all the first and seconds are together. If you're looking for it, look for the first and seconds, and then right in the middle of uh, between First and Second Samuel and First and Second Chronicles sits this First and Second Kings, and we're in First Kings. Elijah was a prophet of God. He's a tough guy. He was, really. I mean, he's, he's all over the place. If you remember, John the Baptist was compared to Elijah. In fact, they said uh, John the Baptist is Elijah raised from the dead. And, and he was no weakling. John the Baptist, you know, he went around wearing uh, animal fur, right? And he, and he what did he snack on? Uh, locusts and wild honey. He used to put a few, uh, just a locust right inside his thing and chew on that. Spit every once in a while, that locust and the little feet were sticking out. Stop it, chew. You need to repent. And people repented, you know. And and so that's the compare. That's the comparison they made. You know, they told stories of Elijah. And you know, the, the scripture talks about Elijah, the the Old Testament law, and they would read this over and I think, well, and that's Elijah. He's 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 no slouch at all. And Elijah was God's man uh, to speak at that time, and he spoke to the 
king of Israel, who was Ahab, and lousy king at that, and a bad king. And um, he had to deliver some news to him. And so uh, Ahab never liked the news that Elijah had to deliver because he was always... Uh, since Ahab was always against God, he was always getting these condemnations. And so here's Elijah showing up. He's the Tishbite. Verse 1 says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba, obviously, in Galilee, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. <laughs> now Ahab hated Elijah. And he was always after him. He always sent his henchmen over him. Let's go get him. They always wanted to kill him. He's, he's, he has nothing but bad news for me. And now we could spend a, a lot of time talking about Elijah and what God did through his life. But I just want to isolate a couple miracles that happen in this chapter and talk about obedience and reward and then difficulty that comes along the way. <laughs> and so uh, going into verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered ravens to feed you there. Okay, so I know you're looking at your sermon notes today. It looks like a book, but that's just to follow along. I don't have any bullet points, really details, do this or don't do that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But if you just want to follow along, you could actually just follow along. If you like to fill in the blanks, you could fill in the blanks. But it, I'm just saying that's just it's just a a guide to follow along today. It's um, uh, it's not homework or anything. So first of all, we come across what is it that God does that's extraordinary? Well, first of all, there's a difficult command. Why? Because it doesn't make any sense, and it wouldn't make any sense uh, to Elijah because. Uh, what's difficult about this particular command is that the Kerith the ravine was a really not the best place to get water. It's a ravine. It's a place that would catch water now and again, but it was what they called a seasonal uh, stream or a, a seasonal brook, and it would appear when it was a good rainy season, you'd have a brook there. When it wasn't, you ain't going to have anything. And so... Uh, in fact, if you're going to have a drought, then it's the worst place to go. The only benefit, perhaps, is it's a great place to hide because no one during a drought is thinking you're going to go to the Kerith Ravine. And it could be that God instructed him to go there so that he would be safe from Ahab's henchmen. Secondly, uh, we, we see it's a tough command because of the unusual way he was to be fed. Seriously? Birds? <laughs> Delivering... Your meal. Um, I mean, ravens are better than sparrows, but an eagle would be much better, maybe delivering food or even a dog fetching some food. But, I mean, when you think about it, this is Uber Eats is nothing new. Um, you know, they've got these birds and they're going to deliver bread and meat. One commentator, biblical commentator, suggested that birds would be delivering this to Elijah because it would be just enough to sustain Elijah's life, but it would keep him dependent on God. Hmm, something to think about. What would our typical response to this be? 
Is God really speaking to me? This is doubt. Doubt would definitely creep. I ain't going to no stinking stream, uh, one that uh, you know is there today and gone tomorrow, with the chances that ravens are going to show up with food. It's not likely. But that's not a man of God. That's Elijah. He hears God speak and he responds, and out of obedience, without hesitation, Elijah went immediately. Look at verse five. I'll put it up here. So he did what the Lord told him. He went where? To the Gareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. He stayed there. And what a blessing. And we have the blessing. What's the blessing? Well, he's able to drink and eat and also, by the way, be protected from Ahab's henchmen. And so the ravens, and look at verse 6. It's wonderful. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. The brook was flowing for some unusual reason, right? The reason was God was allowing it to flow. And so all of a sudden, and again, this is us in life, a challenge comes along, right? And what's the challenge? The brook dries up. Imagine that, during a drought in a seasonal brook. But sometime later, the brook dries up because there had been no rain in the land. Let me ask you, isn't this where we lose it, typically? Okay, I did what you said, Lord. Everything was going fine. But then something happens that sets us off balance. The car breaks down. The kids get sick. An unexpected pregnancy. Someone in the family drops a bomb. The rest of the family. Medical tests come back positive. You're injured at work. Something, something. But men and women, let me encourage you from God's word today, do not lose it when things fail, at least even initially. Wait on God's voice and it will come. Wait on God and he will answer. Look at verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. (laughs) We go from one difficult command to another difficult command. And what is that? That's to go to the center of drought country, (laughs) which would be Zarephath. Like, this is getting worse. It's like heading out to a desert when there's a drought. And be fed by who? By a widow. And if you know anything from the times, if you weren't married at the time, you had very little. In fact, that's why Israel had set up the kinsman redeemer, if you remember, from the book of Ruth. And, uh, you know, that was, that's where if, uh, the man would die, that his brother, the next brother in line that wasn't married, would marry his wife and become. That's why all your brothers should like who you marry, you know? Because <laughs> that could be their wife someday, you know? And so that's why it was set up, because widows didn't have anything. They fend for themselves, and they were supplied by some others or relatives and uh, scraping by. And so you don't really think that God would give a command to go to drought country and be fed by a widow, of all people. You would think the command would be go to this castle or go to this wealthy home, and God's going to provide you. So what is God up to? There are times when God's directions make no sense to us. 
I'm just going to ask you, do not analyze his ways. He knows what he's doing. Verse 10 says this. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, lo and behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? So right off the bat, and it's an uncomfortable request, there is still obedience by Elijah. He went immediately. And this is where it gets a little bit fun because we get to see not only Elijah's response to difficult circumstances, but we get to see this widow's response to difficult circumstances. Does God work like that? I mean, could it be that God is going to bring a double challenge and a double blessing simultaneously? God is intimately involved in the lives of many, many people all at the same time. How can he do that? Well, he's omnipresent, so he's everywhere. And he's omnipotent. He's not limited by anything. And verse 11 says, As she was going to get him a drink, he hollers out to her. And what does he ask for? Oh, and by the way, bring me, please, at least he said please, a piece of bread. And so now it's also a difficult command by to who? To the, to the widow. Why? Because we're going to find out very soon that she doesn't have the resources. She has an empty cupboard. And, he, and, and the request is to make me some bread. Bring me some bread. Also, and I just want to interject this because it is, it's, it's just a point here, is that I'm going against that this is going to be a hard request of a widow from Elijah's perspective. I don't know if you've ever been put in that position, but he's asking somebody very poor for something he probably most likely knows that they don't really have, but he's following the command of God. And so he's being obedient on his end. That in spite of being too embarrassed maybe to ask, he did what God told him to do. I don't know if you've ever had a raise, raise support. Sometimes people on the mission field have to raise support. Uh, our missionaries now have to start raising support. You'll be surprised how many people are kept off the mission field because of this. They, it's too hard to ask people for money even for good things. And for the widow, it's not simply difficult, it's an impossible request on her from her perspective. Listen to her, re, her response. It's actually heartbreaking. Look at verse 12. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And this is her plans for the day. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Think about it. It's her last day of food. Perhaps her and her son's last day to live. Now what do you think of God's provision for Elijah? Was God about to take care of two situations at the same time? It's, isn't it interesting that this particular widow and her son that day, 
were going to die. <laughs> they were going to starve to death after that meal. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do what you said. But first, and he's insisting on this because this is God's will, first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. Is that a hard request? (laughs) And is that a hard command to follow? Verse 14 is a promise, though. It's a promise from God that Elijah is able to uh, then forward to the widow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. All during the drought period. Others may struggle and strain, but you are always going to have oil. You're always going to have flour. You simply do what the Lord has commanded here. And so out of obedience from Elijah, he's obedient because he asked a widow who had nothing. And by the way, that takes obedience. Sometimes to ask individuals for help, if that's what God's instructing you to do, you want to do it. And she went away and did as Elijah had told her. And so we also have the obedience of the widow. She used what little she had. Are you doing this? Do we do this? Or do we say, I'm just worried about the future. I can't help other people. What will I have left? And are you ready? Here comes the blessing. The blessing is found in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 15, the latter part. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Wow. So for Elijah, there was what? There was daily provision of food and now also companionship. He has his family. He has this individual, his widow, and at least a son uh, to spend some time with instead of sitting down in the Kirith Valley, um, you know, waiting to see what happened next. And for the widow, it's, there's food and there's life for her. And her son. You know, I also find it interesting that the widow uh, nor Elijah try to exploit this gift. They don't set up shop and say, hey, there's going to be oil every day. Let's start selling oil and let's start selling flour. And, uh, you know, because the Lord. Nor do we read that she makes 50 loaves of bread with the concern that tomorrow we're not going to have any. I shared with you in the past, and it's just part of it's part of my history. Is that just prior to ministry, I was a, I was a remodeler, and I was doing one job at a time and getting paid for that job, and everything was fine. And the Lord called me into ministry, and I knew that. But right before that, I decided I better do three jobs at once because um, you know ministry doesn't pay much, and I better have this buffer. 
And that was my plan. That was never God's plan. And in doing so, within three months, I lost $40,000. <laughs> Lewis just like, do you want to follow my plan or do you want to just keep doing your plan? The application for us is <laughs> it's just so clear. And it's so clear to me. Just do what God says. Nothing more and absolutely nothing less. Just do what he says. And that's the happy ending, right? No. Don't forget about the challenge because challenges come along sometimes almost immediately after a blessing and God does, doesn't do anything small. There's, there's something about to happen that's going to change everything. In verse 17, it says, sometime later, it's almost, you know, it's almost like you're watching a movie and it says, sometime later. The son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and then finally stopped breathing. And this is a challenge, right? It's a challenge to the widow. Her son is dead. Out of the multiple of symptoms that you can have, not breathing is not a good one. Okay? So he is dead. Verse 18. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? It's interesting to me that she thinks her son's death has something to do with some of her past sins. Adam Clark, a commentator, a biblical commentator on this, he writes this. She seems to now be conscious of some secret sin, which she had either forgotten or was too carelessly passed over, and she supposes the life of her son was taken as a way of punishing her. It is mostly in times, and this is saying it to us in general, he's saying it's mostly in times of adversity that we duly consider our moral state Outward afflictions often bring deep searchings of the heart. And isn't that true about us? We think when we're going through something difficult, what did I do wrong in my past? What have, what have I, could I possibly, and sometimes, by the way, our circumstance is tied to that. But other times, bad stuff happens. Challenging times, trials come along. And for, and for no reason of ours, but, but to glorify God. What do we do? And so the challenge, first of all, to Elijah, his integrity is on the line, right? Lord, I'm, I'm staying with this widow. and what, What's going on here? And the eyes are upon him. What's Elijah's response? He goes immediately to prayer. We do everything else. <laughs> And then pray. If nothing else works, let's, let's pray. That's the first thing, is his first thought. And so Elijah says to the woman, give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room. Let me just pause there for a moment. Some of us who are in the prayer group on Wednesday nights, you've heard upper room several times. He goes to upper room. What's he do in the upper room? Well, he goes up here to pray. <laughs> he carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. And in verse 20, then he cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy upon this widow I am staying with because her son 
excuse me, by causing her son to die. Wow. His response, by the way, is, is to pray a prayer of desperation. I was looking at two of the songs that we sang prior to this. One was that we're desperate for you. The first song we sang in our, in our praise and worship song. Then towards the, towards the latter song, we also talked about crying out to the Lord. When our church makes a sacrifice of prayer, this church will grow. When we gather and beseech God, something significant definitely will happen here. Verse 21, And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times, and he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. And now you have extra blessings in 1 Kings 17, 22, and 23. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And as a result, what happens? God is glorified. And God is glorified because in verse 24, the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. And so what does this mean to all of us here today? I want, I want you to stomp and I want you to consider your situation. What is going on in your life right now? Is God showing you to do something or to stop doing something? Is there something the Lord has commanded you, but you are just too embarrassed to do it? You're too embarrassed to ask for help. You're too embarrassed or too proud, maybe, even to forgive somebody or to admit something that you're struggling with. Are you facing a difficult circumstance? What else might be the outcome of this sermon? How may, how may God be speaking to you? Did God bless you with something? A, a, a new direction, housing, a new job, a new relationship? Only to have you now facing what seems to be an overwhelming development, to put it mildly. Today, bring it to God. If you need strength, ask God, Lord, Strengthen me. If you need healing, go to God. If you need financial help, bring it to God. But if God has also told you, this is what I want you to do, do that very thing out of obedience. Say, Lord, I just want to do this. Because out of blessings, out of obedience, excuse me, comes blessing and often in the most unusual ways. And so, how you answer this question, how will you respond, is, is key. I believe God just, just so wants to bless us, but it's not in the typical way. It's in some extraordinary way. Some way that you think, when it happens, you'll say, that <laughs> is so God. Let's pray. Lord, we just humble ourselves before you right now.
And Lord, up out of this congregation, out of those who are listening online, recording of this, there are needs rising up to you right now. We don't know them, but you know them. You know us intimately. You know the the burdens that are on our hearts. We know the challenges that we face. And right now, Lord, you want to lift those. Lord, help us to, to not only lift our requests up to you, to be silent enough in our days to hear from you. And in simplicity of duty, Lord, that we would just be obedient. We would surrender and say, Lord, just show me what that next step is that you want me to take. And even if if it's dark or if it feels like it's going to be a step out of a plane, Lord, we know that we'll just fall into your hands. And so we pray for strength and we pray for boldness and we pray for a peace that surpasses all understanding to fill our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we just give that issue over to you now, that challenge. May your will be done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By the way, this this the step right here is is always open to anyone who has just wants to come and just feels led to come this morning and give a burden to the Lord and go back to your seat and just give it to the Lord and he'll take it. Would you please stand? I'm giving you my
It's beautiful. And throughout the week, uh, just keep giving challenges over to the Lord. I, that song is beautiful. It reminds me of, uh, they were singing that on, on a military base one time uh, because prisoners of war had come back and they were in this military base. And as the guy was leading it, he looked out. And the guys that were singing it had their hands behind their head. He thought, what is that? He said, that's how, that's how they were surrendering. And uh, I think sometimes we, we sort of surrender, but we don't completely. And we don't know what that's like. But when you get to that point of desperation, you know that you can't do anything. But he can do all things. Amen? Now receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen?